shearing plants will be pulled out of gear just like that across Australia as the country takes a few days off for Christmas. It's a time many pause to think of the year gone and many naturally think about the year ahead. You're with The Yarn, Australian Wool Innovations podcast, and we too will look into 2017 with some interesting price predictions from someone very close to the action. And a little later, we hear from a specialist in the area of wool and sport. But it's taken six episodes, but we have finally tracked him down for his global podcasting debut. Here's a very upbeat AWI chairman, Wal Merriman, who says marketing in recent years has made a measurable difference. I think the marketing's been uh, fantastic the last five, six years. We've tapped into all the major brands around the world and uh, that just wasn't happening before. So AWI still has its critics saying, how do you prove that marketing is working? What do you say to that when you know that there's still people out there that say we shouldn't be marketing, it doesn't make a difference? Well, that's up to them, but um, luckily um, the majority of the wool growers supported marketing. Uh, 70-odd percent voted in the last wool poll for a 60-40 split. But how do you measure it? How do you measure the success of marketing? Well, now we have a, a measurement unit, well, not, not on the staff, but uh, used by the staff, and all those marketing programs are measured, and they're up on the website, a lot of them, showing the, the leverage we get. We usually, we average leverage is a dollar, four dollars of theirs to one of ours, and uh, as I say, they're all up on the website, all those marketing programs. But you just to look at the flat figures of a, in the last six years or so, or probably even before, we've had a a reasonably flat line of supply, and yet the price has gone up. Now that just doesn't happen. The marketing and their association with the brands have, uh, have triggered that rise. And uh, looking into the future, obviously a lot of uh, resources have been put in the Wool Exchange portal, the development of that, uh, the case study for that, and now uh, it's going to push forward. This has been very much a, a personal issue for you, I understand. Well, I don't know about a personal issue, but um, I think wool growers should have the same sort of marketing options as a grain grower or anyone else does. They should be able to be in charge of their own destiny. I think this will create competitive tension and, uh, and really open the market up. In the future, when there is a portal there, when you're selling your wool, what do you want up there to represent your clip? How do you want it shown? Oh, well, as it will do, it will... It will um, have all my clip on a screen available to the world for people to bid on. So will, will it have the measurements? Oh, certainly. Yeah, it'll have all, it'll the, have all, all the uh, AWTA figures on there? Yeah, it'll have all the measurement that, that the industry gets now, that the buying public get now. But just opened up to a, a global audience of buyers, not just those yeah, in the room? Yeah, so. That's right. <laughs> you go out to your know, there's about eight or nine in the fleece room. You need more buyers. There's more buyers out there than that, and we need more buyers competing than that. Chairman of Australian Wool Innovation, Wal Merriman. Definitely a first for podcasting there. In a minute, why wool prices should stay strong for some time from a very good source. Merino wool has enjoyed a really strong and steady rise in the sports and active outdoor market over the last 15 years, 
One man at the forefront of this has been Lars Olversund. He spends a lot of time at trade shows around the world and consults a lot of brands about the natural benefits of wool. Lars, who have you been working with recently? In the last years we've been working very hard together to, to develop relationships and, and partnerships with sports brands and outdoor brands where we can see a potential for increase in wool. And, and I mean, it, it's, it spans from the really big... We, I mean, this morning we had a, we had a conference call with, with uh, Nike discussing developments and uh, we've been working with Adidas, we're working with niche brands like Rafa Cycling Brand, who is becoming the leading cycling brand in the world. Uh, so, so big volume companies and smaller niche companies who, any, any company that are proactively innovating wool products. Lars, you're very experienced. That's another way of saying you've been around a while. Thank you. You've seen this uh, evolved for, this, this evolution uh, of wool in active outdoor for a long time. You spend a lot of time uh, in the Northern Hemisphere at trade shows, uh, meeting with these people. What do you say to them and what are they interested in? They uh, come to us mainly, well not mainly, but to a high extent to, to help getting production, to help them to find products that suit them. They come to us and say, look, we, we, we would like to work with wool, uh, we would like to, to put it into these type of products, but we can't find the manufacturing. Or can you help us to develop a product that fits into these specifications, like say a lightweight running shirt, where can we get the fabric, where can we get the garment made? And that's where we have the network, the global network, that comes into place. Now, tell us a little bit about the Wool Lab Sports. Now, the Wool Lab is sort of a, a trend and sourcing guide. It's, a, it's hard to describe uh, without it being in front of you, but it, it's like a, a book of textiles that you show, uh, that you help to, uh, to inspire yeah. people, to show people what's possible. <clears throat> and there is what, there's a very good one for sport now. Yeah, uh, we've been working with this or in a similar way a couple of years now. And what we do is we, we select new innovative products from knitters, weavers and spinners from around the world. We put this together in a, what we call a wool lever presentation pack. And then our key account managers in the various regions and countries get this book and they go out and meet designers, buyers, product development people, uh, product managers, and help them to select from this book. And then we put them in touch with each manufacturer where they have an interest in, in a product. And it's a great tool for us to work with. And this will also be the main theme or the main message we will bring forward when we go to the trade shows. We, the, January, February is the season for trade shows and you have in the US a trade show named Outdoor Retailer and ISPO in Germany. Both are international shows with huge amount of exhibitors. I think ISPO have 2,600 exhibitors and sort of 80 to 100,000 visitors where we are exhibiting and showing the Australian merino, the Australian wool, to, to, the, um, to the consumers. Lars Olversund, wool technical specialist for the active outdoor market. And yes, he is Swedish. Okay, so what lies ahead for wool in 2017? 2016 was marked by generally good prices in historical terms, including for Lizzie Shen. 
She's a very experienced wool agent based in Shanghai. Lizzie represents many Australian exporters and assists in making substantial sales into the Chinese textile industry. I was lucky enough to catch up with Lizzie via Skype recently. She's optimistic for merino types. New Year, we are very uh, optimistic about merinos, no matter how long or how, how short it is. Uh, normally, fine wool is more popular in the coming year, as we see now. This is interesting to hear. Um, you say that the volumes of crossbred wool stored is quite high, but the is the volume of uh, merino wools, uh, finer wools, um, is that also high? No, very low. Greasy, wool tops, yarn, all those, uh, anything in, uh, with our business in the initial process uh, stage is low. Is this the same for... Uh, super fine wool, uh, merino wool as uh, fine wool. I mean, across the microns, is there low merino wool across uh, greasy wool and, as you say, um, stored yarn wool as well? Super fines, you mean uh, 17.5 and finer or what microns? Yeah, uh, yeah, 17.5 and finer uh, for super fine. They will still have good time in the coming six months. Because what I see is uh, super fine for worsted is okay, not very hot, but super fine for open tops, very hot. That's why they can maintain the price because uh, if a client who is after open top 16.5, 15.5, if he can't buy the 48 HM open top greasy, then he will buy tender fleece. So that push the tender fleece, the fleece type long wool uh, price high and the medium micron the medium uh, merino microns uh, sort of uh, i suppose that's now um uh, the fine wool being sort of 18 to uh probably 20 or 21 and then uh, 21 plus how do you see fine wool and medium wool in the next uh, six to 12 months uh 21 micron is still the main type for most top making mills and because the supply is about 20% higher this season, I personally don't think it will go very high. In my eyes, you above US dollar $11 for 21 micron, which is type 55 FNF, is high in my eyes. It should go around 1050. At the moment, it's around uh, 1060 or 70. So, Lizzie, the, uh, the wool price uh, has been relatively stable in recent years, uh, historically. Uh, historically, wool prices are quite volatile, but in the recent years has been quite stable. Has, is this good for buyers of wool as well as the sellers? Yes, I think it's good for the buyers. For sellers, I'm not so sure because uh, after September conference, they went back to Australia, then they tried to fulfill their commitments, and there was a short supply because of the rainfall. Then they lost some money in those commitments. So we did see some uh, high rises this season, like uh, 40 or even 50 Australian cents higher on one day auction. I think that is uh, no good. Very high ups or downs is no good for anybody. We like a stable market only with a little small fluctuations. Then it's good for everybody. 
Are buyers now looking to secure uh, wool supply through forward selling and forward buying rather than um, spot buying at auction? Yes, they like to do uh, quick shipments. They don't like to gamble on uh, February or March or April shipment because uh, in the past, uh, most of the time, if anyone gambling, usually they are the losers because they think the sellers on board or know better about wool supply or anything. So they, they don't like to do forward business anymore because uh, most purchases have been proved wrong. Lizzie Shen, Chinese-based wool agent, optimistic for merino prices in coming months. And while stocks are high for crossbred wools, maybe the second half of 2017 might see an improvement in her eyes. It was really nice to have a chat with her. Uh, you can read her article in the December edition of Beyond the Bale, where she uh, has uh, quite a bit more to say. So that's it for the yarn in 2016. Naturally, everyone at AWI wishes you a very merry and safe Christmas. And here's to a great new year from me, Marius Cumming. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to your company in 2017.